So hello from Maui, Hawaii, and thanks for visiting us again today for our live Mystery School webinar, The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, where we talk about personal and spiritual growth, about success and fulfillment, and uh, the timeless mysteries, truly ancient mysteries, but moreover, the questions, the great questions, the ponderings, the musings that have stood the test of time. And uh, today we have, I think, a really good topic, a very important topic, especially in troubled times, which is the nature of change, and in particular, the mystical concept of the ring pass not. And we're going to talk about the stages and phases of growth, the stages of consciousness, if you will, that we all go through that are perpetual and never-ending, and uh, how to adjust and account for the great changes in our lives. Uh, that's our topic for the day today, and again, I very much appreciate you being with us today. Uh, whether you're live with us on this first day of February 2009, or in our relative future, listening to a replay. Thanks very much. Uh, we will be taking, for those of you who are with us live, your comments and questions a little bit later in the webinar. So if you're on the phone, there's not much you can do. Thanks for being with us. For obvious reasons, we have to mute you out. But if you're on the web, you can at any point, anytime you want, leave a question or a comment in the uh, submission box in the bottom of the web page in front of you. Uh, I'd like you to put your name, at least your first name, in the box in the bottom line in the city where you are today, and then just above that any question or comment. could be on any aspect of personal development or spiritual development, or it could be um, a response, a question, or a comment to our topic of the day today, the ring pass not, the nature of change and how that works. And then hit the submit button and uh, a little later in the hour we'll go to that and of course uh, we'll end with a guided imagery exercise that uh, will in a sense install the information that I'm presenting to you in the first part here. Okay, the ring pass not, the nature of change and how change happens in our lives. I think that's where we have to begin, is to say the one thing that doesn't change is change. But even that's not true, because <laughs> the degree to which change happens uh, is a accelerating change or decelerating change. Um, the one thing we can count on is change, but the rate of change has its ebb and flow, its in-breath and out-breath. A very important point that I want to make about the nature of change in our lives uh, is that it is not linear. It does speed up and then it slows down. It may even regress or digress, and then all of a sudden there is this great change. It's sort of a stair-step function. Uh, if we start with the idea that um, nothing that is part of the one life, in this material world anyway, is not in a state of flux. Everything, better said, more directly, 
everything in the physical world is in a state of flux or change. And again, its rate varies, but it's integral to existence, growth, healing, learning, unfoldment, development, improvement, change. And in religion, it becomes salvation, redemption, atonement, resurrection, uh, uplifting, uh, alchemical, lead to gold, and water to wine, and all of that. <coughs> Excuse me, but simply said, life is about change. You will grow. Even if you dig in your heels and resist and do your best to avoid growth, you will still grow in spite of yourself. Uh, everything grows. Everything changes. Understanding that, if only we understood that, we would, I think, be less concerned with trying to get our lives together. You know the phrase, I'm getting it together. Or trying to get to a place of comfort and create for ourselves a place where there are no problems, that's never going to happen. And instead, desire to be better problem solvers so as to accelerate and uh, regulate or manage the change in our lives. Let's at the very beginning get it clear that you're not going to ever get to a place where you have no problems. Because as soon as you get your ducks in a row, something's going to happen. As soon as you, quote, get it together, something's going to change. And often it'll be a wonderful, exciting, fun, crazy opportunity. And sometimes it'll be a disaster or a tragedy. But I'd like to argue right at the beginning here that even the disasters and the tragedies in our lives contain opportunities for us to, if you will, redeem the tragedy or uplift the tragedy, to change the nature of change itself from something negative, something tragic or disastrous, into something positive. For the nature of change is forward. It is progressive. It is growthful. It is positive. There is in esoteric philosophy and sacred geometry a trinity of change in that it is said that on the physical plane, change is cyclic. We touch on this quite often in this Sunday webinar. The idea that everything has its yin and its yang, its back and forth, or its season, you know, round and around to everything there is a season, turn, turn, turn. Um, an in-breath and an out-breath, a peak and a valley, followed by another peak and another trough. And yet, on the plane of the soul, so-called, the consciousness that is the essence of who human beings really are, uh, we are lifted up. Our change is upward. It is growthful, the way a plant will grow up toward the sun. And then on the plane of the monad, 
or the father aspect, um, the ultimate creator source, uh, what a religious person would call God the father or a philosopher would call the absolute, change is said to be forward. So this is sort of like a tornado or a whirlwind, you know, a vortex that's moving forward. It's cyclic in the most basic physical sense. It's upward on the plane of the soul, so that makes the spiral we talked about a couple of weeks ago, cycling and moving up, right? And then that whole spinning vortex goes forward. That's a trinity of esoteric motion, okay? And maybe that confuses you and maybe you hear that clearly. When I first heard that, that helped me a lot. Right, to understand how spirit works. For spirit comes into matter, that's one side of the large cycle or the big mandala. The spirit manifests itself. But then the consciousness of that manifestation slowly awakens and aspires to return to its source. And this is the, the great mandala, if you will, the great wheel of life. And so part of that return is this process of going around and around. Oh, my God, why do I have to go through this again? Well, you're on a higher turn of the spiral. Check out in our archives a program from just a couple of weeks ago where we talked about um, the vicious cycle and the upward spiral. And uh, Or was that Steve and I? I think that was the Focus Passion podcast, come to think of it. You get that at focuspassion.com. And uh, then the whole thing moves forward. So cyclic, upward, those two are spiralic and uh, like a tornado, and then forward. The father aspect is progressive. That's what the universe is doing. In its physical manifestation, it's just going around and around. But it actually moves up, getting better and better, and forward, getting better and better on that plane as well. So everything that happens to us, whether we create it, whether we contribute to its creation, or whether we seem to be victimized by some event or circumstance or relationship, somebody did something to us, it doesn't much matter. If you can take the perspective that all of it is part of an opportunity to grow, even the bad stuff. In fact, maybe we could say especially the bad stuff, the tragedies and the disasters, uh, the, the, the problems that need solving and the broken hearts that need mending are ultimately opportunities for us to grow. We can see this in the disease process where as a result of fighting the disease or the illness, uh, your body gets stronger, it develops antibodies and many diseases you'll only get once. Uh, because the antibodies remain, the defenses remain in your system. The classic childhood diseases, uh, chicken pox and measles and mumps, for the most part, there are some rare exceptions, but for the most part, once you've had chicken pox or measles and or mumps, uh, you're done with those. You just get them once. Uh, in many ways, a broken bone once mended 
is stronger than before. Depends on the nature of the break, but uh, the, the actual bone can then stronger than before, or a deep wound, a cut in the skin, uh, is protected by scar tissue from being injured in the future, stronger and more resilient. Uh, that's what a callus is. Um, if I don't play guitar often enough, I lose my calluses. I have to rebuild the thick skin on the tip of my uh, fingers on my left hand. They're calloused from playing the guitar, and I need those calluses to play for more than 10 minutes at a time. Well, that's the innate intelligence of the body saying, I'm willing to change. I will grow. I will get stronger and more resilient to injury than before. Well, the same thing happens emotionally and spiritually. And uh, what we're talking about here today in understanding the nature of change and accounting for it, the so-called ring pass knot, is that we can, in a sense, stand above it, see it coming a mile away, uh, anticipate it, and learn from those situations that we'd like to avoid, you know, because they hurt. Uh, but nevertheless, situations that we have to go through. This is one of the, I'll speak esoterically here for a moment, even more esoterically than I am. This is one of the challenges to so-called religious people who see that which is bad or wrong, or they might use the word evil, as standing outside of God, like the devil is the personification of everything that is bad and evil and wrong. And yet it creates a perpetual conundrum for religious people. They are trapped in believing that evil or bad things exist outside of God because God is good and the source of all that is good. Because if you have something that exists outside of God, well, then what kind of God is it? What kind of God is less than anything? What, what kind of God is less than all that is? So is the devil under the dominion of God? This is a debate that the church in the West, the Catholic and the Protestant churches, have had for almost 2,000 years now because they are afraid, terrified really, to consider that disaster and tragedy and bad things like cancer and, and you know, children starving and disease that, that, you know, takes the, the kindest and wisest and most loving people from us as well as the bad people, uh, it doesn't seem to fit in with our idea of a, of a merciful God. And so the mystic comes along and says, and has always said, oh no, God has to be absolute totality, including bad things. So God is both good and bad. 
the evil or the devil is within, and there is no devil, of course, it's just a personification of that which is bad or wrong or evil, has to be within the one thing or the one life, that God is both good and bad, and that from the highest level, that's a good thing, you see. This is what I love about philosophy. You just keep going deeper and deeper into the process, and now we've reconciled the fact that God, which is good, God, which is a will and love aspect, okay, nevertheless contains evil, has to, has to have a shadow, a dark side, all right, has to contain bad, has to contain temptation and opportunity to go astray, has to contain separation or the feeling of alienation and loss, so that we can discern good from the bad, you see. The, the day from the night, the peak from the trough, the yin from the yang, we have to be discerning, and therefore there has to be heartache for there to be love, you see. There has to be healing, in order. there has to be disease in order for there to be healing, and so on. So the idea, we have to challenge, you don't have to go out and tell other people, of course, but, <laughs> but within your own mind and heart, I call upon you to challenge any part of you that thinks that God is only good. For God is all the good, but God is also all that is, by appearance, not so good. And that, in total, that is a good thing. And I'll just leave it at that. So... How do we find the goodness in the bad? How do we find the silver lining in the dark cloud? You see, how do we um, find the blessing that is often in disguise within the curse, the tragedy, and the downturn? Well, we understand its process so that we can anticipate it. If things are going really badly in your life, like the old Beatles song, you got to admit it's going to get better because what's the refrain? It can't get any worse, can't get no worse, so it's got to get better. It's getting better all the time. And if things are going really well for you, well, you know it can't last. There's got to be a downturn, at least in one area or another area of your life, whether it involves only you as an individual or your whole family, your community, or the world. And... Uh, Neither of these is exclusive. When things are going really well, there's always a little bit of bad in there and vice versa. There's always a little bit of goodness in the worst of times. You know, uh, Look at the world right now. We've got uh, more wars than uh, one can count on both hands and feet together. Um, some 30 wars, I think, going on right now in the world. The economy is in the tank, and yet with the election of Barack Obama, we see a symbol of a change in the world where the masses are beginning to wrest control from the traditional ruling class or the robber barons. That will have its yin and yang. That will have its tug of war. That will continue as it has in the past to have its ebb and flow as well. But um, we feel the tipping point. We feel the culture moving forward toward kindness and love and compassion and peace and maybe most important of all toward justice 
aphorisms comes from Dr. King, not a well-known um, saying, but nevertheless, one that Brock likes a lot, and I think you'll find appealing, I sure do. It's something like uh, the, uh, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. The moral arc, or arch, all right, the moral arch of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. You get a feeling for that? Uh, it's like there's a cosmic wind at our backs. Life favors goodness. Life moves progressively, as they say, like the, the esoteric trinity of motion I described, cyclic in the lowest form, uplifting in the middle, and moving forward on the top. All right. uh, this universe is expanding. Even the empiricist, the, the astronomer, will tell you that every galaxy is moving away from every other galaxy. There's 150 billion galaxies, roughly, give or take. And within any given galaxy, about that many stars, 100 to 150 billion stars in each of those 150 billion galaxies. And all those stars are moving apart, and the galaxies are moving apart. The universe is expanding in all directions. And creation is, the Big Bang may have happened once a long time ago, but there is more energy in the universe all the time. Unbelievable amounts of hydrogen are pouring into this universe, and we're not sure the process, where it comes from, but it's continuing to be created, right? So say what you will about entropy and, and systems of energy running out of steam and moving from order to chaos. The reverse is also true. It's, as we often say here in this webinar, it is, the development of consciousness and to consciously develop your awareness that brings order out of chaos, that reverses that whole process of entropy into an expanding universe. So everything is growing. Everything is getting better. And yet the process is not linear. It's herky-jerky. It's sort of like a stair-step function. And this is the way I've described it to my students over the years. If you just think of um, a staircase where there's a flat line and then a vertical line up and then another flat line and a vertical line up. I draw this left to right, of course, and so on, rather than a nice linear smooth line or a nice smooth curve even. And what that means is that things in our lives, by appearance anyway, go along basically unchanged. Unchanged, what's new, what's going on, not much, same old, same old, right? Until something happens, either something good or something bad. I'm saying if you get the ultimate perspective, it's all good, it's all growthful, right? And we'll talk about how to redeem the bad into the good even before it becomes very bad here before we finish. But 
life seems to be about long periods of no change at all, followed by a quantum leap. Like you, instead of walking up a ramp, you're climbing stairs. And then after you climb that step, there's a period where the line is flat. There's a long period where, by the appearance of things anyway, there is no change. And then another leap as you take another step. You know, you may want to walk the ramp instead, but sorry, life doesn't work that way. All right. Each one of these quantum leaps in growth is the ring pass knot. And again, it takes the appearance of a good thing, great fortune, what a lucky happenstance, or a tragedy. But it always is a blend of the two. All right, changes like that to grow, something has to die. To get more, something has to go away. To climb a ladder, you know, you have to reach up, or or that staircase. But we'll talk about the ladder now. You have to reach up, grab the rung, follow with the leg, and repeat the process, moving up the ladder, leaving the rungs below. You have to let go of the rung you're holding on to, to reach up and grab the next one. So it's always a little good and a little bad, but if you can get the proper perspective, which is what I'm arguing for here today, you can see the whole process as overall good, progressive, positive, growthful uh, development, and even learn to anticipate and account for the quantum leaps, these herky-jerky changes, once you understand this concept of ring pass knot. So the ring pass knot is a, uh, a kind of a barrier. Uh, a, a, think of it as a circle or a ring, right? Or you could even think of it as a sphere. If you think of the nesting dolls, the Russian dolls, where the inside the, you know, you open up the doll and inside is a smaller one, and you open up that and inside is a still smaller doll, and you keep doing that all the way down to the tiniest little doll in the center. Well, imagine we're in the center, and we're expanding out, you see. Those circles could be spheres, and to break through a ring pass knot, or to break through a sphere of consciousness can be very painful. All right? But it is an essential process to moving on to the next sphere. A good example of how this might look in a literal sense would be the ring pass knot of a chicken as it passes the egg out of its body or you know, uh, a woman or a, any mammal, female mammal, human or otherwise, giving live birth through that birth canal out into the world, that is the first, in a sense, ring pass knot. All right? And it's painful to push that baby out into the world. Let's stay with the bird allegory because I want to develop that. That egg passes the ring pass knot, which is the chicken's body, comes down that birth canal, pops out into the nest, 
past the first ring, past not. It was painful. Now that little baby chicken is inside an egg, and the egg shell is the second ring, past not. Now, is there any reason for that bird to come out of the egg? I don't think so. Not really. Uh, it's not having contractions. It's not having birth pain. It's right where it has always been, where it developed its little tiny infant bird consciousness or awareness of itself. It has inside that eggshell food. It has a pocket of air. And mom's probably sitting on it, so it's warm and cozy in there. Absolutely no reason to come out of the egg. This is like you and me in much of our life. We're trying to get comfortable, huh? right? That's what we want. We want to be safe and comfortable. We want to be cozy, and we're not interested in taking too many risks. We want, it, we, we want to, again, get it together or get all our ducks in a row, wherever the hell that comes from. I'll have to look that up. Um, until something happens. Change. Da, 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 da. And what is the change? It starts to run out of air and run out of food. For the supply of air and food inside the eggshell is obviously finite. Well, that's a little uncomfortable for a little baby bird. It's running out of air, it's running out of food. So it starts thrashing about. Fortunately, it has a bill. And in time, with enough thrashing about in response to the pain. Yeah. Yeah. See. It finally cracks the egg, and then, oh, at least it gets a breath of air, right? But it's still hungry, so it keeps working to get out of that shell. Uh, even the moth has to struggle to get out of the cocoon. You know, if you cut a moth or a butterfly out of its cocoon, It'll never fly. It needs the struggle, believe it or not. It needs the challenge. One could argue even the discomfort of coming out of the cocoon to, in a literal way, force the fluids that are in the veins of the wing out into the extremity for the strength of the wings to develop. And so... A butterfly cut out of its cocoon will never fly and will die because it can't feed itself and it, it can't do its mission. The, the adversity of life is like that. I mentioned a few weeks ago uh, here in the mystery school the, the allegory of the hermetic alchemist in getting gold out of the ore by putting the gold ore into an athanor, a very hot oven, and turn it up to heat until everything that is not pure, uh, not the gold, the so-called dross or the impurities, burns away, leaving only the gold. And the ancient alchemists saw that as an allegory for life. It is the pain of going through these rings past not that promotes our growth. That's why God has to be bad or evil as well as good. And overall, the totality of that is good. It's a yin and a yang, right? Keep working with this idea.
And let's go from the butterfly back to the bird in the nest, because it came through that first ring past knot, but found itself, it, it, itself still in the egg, running out of air. It, it runs out of food. It breaks open the egg, and it finds itself where? In a nest, another ring past knot. This is the third ring pass knot. So the bird, now out of the egg, lives inside the confines of the nest. Each time, it's a little more liberated. The first change, a ring pass knot, though painful, liberated the bird from mom's body. It's now a separated being. The second one brought it into the world in search of air and food and water. Right? But now, still protected by mom, fed by mom, little worms and grubs and bugs and what have you, it can't get out of the nest, for it hasn't grown yet to the point that it could fly. If it gets out of the nest at this point, it falls to the ground, it probably dies. A predator comes and gets it. That's the end of Mr. Bird. And so it's not until it grows stronger and bigger, right, that it finally learns to leave the nest, the third, in this case, the third ring pass knot. And that can be a painful experience, too. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's look at this in, in terms of our own lives. The changes that we go through in our lives, whether they're changes that we seek, and they have negative consequences that we did not anticipate, or whether they seem, by all appearances, to be disasters, tragedies. You know, someone we love dies. It's horrible. Somebody that we really care about, someone in the family, or even, you know, the dog or the cat dies. Uh, it's horrible. It's gut-wrenching. Nobody wants to go through this, and yet, if you ever have, you know that, in a, that, that although you suffered a loss, the grieving process expanded your ability to feel more love. Oliver Wendell Holmes once wrote that a, that a mind once expanded by a new thought never returns to its original shape. A mind once expanded by a new thought, even if that thought's later rejected, the mind never returns to its original shape. It's expanded by that thought. Well, what if that's true for the heart also? Indeed, that's my argument. That through death of someone you love, through that loss and or appearance of loss and that grieving that we go through that heartache that we suffer our hearts are expanded and then as time moves and we become healed everything that hurts because it's not real it's real enough but it's not true that falls away and what remains is the love what is eternal and infinite about the relationship is 
that you still feel the love. Everybody that you have ever loved who is deceased, you still love. And when your dog and cat dies, you'll think about the dogs and cats you've had in the past. You you can remember them, their unique personality, their idiosyncratic behaviors, and you just love them still. That's what remains. And so the pain of the loss expands the heart so that as it's healed, our capacity to carry even more love now is expanded. And when somebody that you love and care about is going through a similar experience, someone they care about is sick and dying or just died, whether of old age, naturally so-called, or tragically, it doesn't much matter. It still hurts, right? I think there's something really tragic about young people dying, but nevertheless, it always hurts. There's always a loss. You, as a result of having already gone through significant grief and suffering and now benefiting from that expanded heart, have less fear and are of greater value in providing solace and comfort to this person that's grieving. You can share your love with them. Because most people are so frightened at death that when they encounter it, they run the other way. They head for the hills. Uh, they may drop off a casserole and pay a courtesy visit, but bang, then they're out of there. They might come to the to the funeral or memorial service, but then all of a sudden they get real busy. Nobody wants to contact the widower or the widow or the grieving mom or dad after a while. It's too scary to have to share their pain unless or until you've been through it, and then as a result of the expanded heart that came from the suffering, which is now healed, so its capacity to carry more love is very real, you can then minister from a loving place to them. So again, we see adversity and heartache and disaster and tragedy having an alchemical effect, a overall improvement, you see. So change is often painful, like mom chicken pushing that egg out or any mother giving birth. And then that chicken breaking out of the egg, and then the risk of getting out of the nest, right? And then it just sort of stays in the neighborhood. The ring pass not is outside the nest, but it doesn't go far until it starts getting cold, and now it joins the flock that flies south for the winter, and its ring pass not is expanded again. So whether you think of the ring pass not as a ring, a series of concentric circles where you move from the bullseye of the target out through these rings, or nesting Russian dolls, make it a 3D model where the ring becomes a sphere inside another sphere, inside another sphere. This is big in Rosicrucianism, the intersection of spheres and rounds and globes and chains. And it gets very, very complex. But what I want you to understand is as you approach that change, tension builds, and we resist change. Even the good stuff is scary, and so we resist it. 
there are, this is surprising to many people, but there are countless studies that show that wonderful things happening in your life are every bit as stressful as the tragedies and disasters. That doesn't seem right, but it is true. The birth of a baby is as stressful, not only to mom, but to family, as the death of grandpa. You see, a new job, every bit as stressful, on balance, on average, overall. The new job is just as stressful as getting fired from the old job. Buying a new house, every bit as stressful as being foreclosed and, and losing the old house. And you say, wait a minute, that, that doesn't seem right at all until you consider that the stress is in the change, not whether it's good change or bad change. Dwell on that for a minute. What is stressful about change is that it's new. <laughs> this is one of the ironies in stress management, why it's often two steps forward and then a step back, because as you learn to manage stress, and you experience what it's like to live little by little with less stress, well, that's new. And so it creates more stress. So two steps forward, one step back, or three steps forward, two steps back. Nevertheless, we're making a little bit of progress here. And so, you know, overall, growth is a good thing. But again, it's got its yin and yang, doesn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's back and forth. So we resist change as a result. Even if we think it's going to be positive change, it's scary. Self-sabotage is common. People don't see it in their lives as such. But, you know, if somebody continues to smoke cigarettes in 2008, unless you're just really young and foolish and peer pressure is more important, uh, you're hooked. Why are you still smoking those cigarettes? Is there an unconscious death wish? Yeah, lots of people have an unconscious death wish. They're trying to kill themselves. They would never admit it in a million years. A lie detector probably would not sense that they're lying about, oh, I'd rather live than die, but, you know, there's plenty of precedent. People who drive recklessly and fast. I mean, we moved out of Los Angeles a little over a year ago, and here in Hawaii, Oahu has a uh, has one. There's one freeway in Oahu, but there's no freeways on Maui. And I can't tell you what it's like to be able to drive and never go over 35 or 40 miles an hour. What a pleasure it is not to have five lanes of people going 80, 90, and 100 miles an hour with this exaggerated sense of self-importance. Rushing to work, rushing home, hurry, hurry, hurry. Why? Maybe they're not running toward anything. Maybe they're all running away in a big hurry. Whether they're running away from home to get to work or running away from work to get home, they're running. Um, life hurts. Life is scary. And we resist change. We dig in our heels. We don't like it. Even though we want the good stuff, on some level we understand that 
there's going to be some bad stuff that goes with it. There is not in our culture, in our training, nearly enough emphasis on redeeming the bad into the good in finding the silver lining in the dark cloud or the blessing in the skies in what otherwise would appear to be a curse. And, and so the lesson of the day today about the ring past nut, I believe, is a very, very important one, which is recognize that change comes in waves. It is not linear. It is herky-jerky. All right. It's like the stair-step function that I mentioned earlier, where your life will seem to go along for long periods of change, and then the pressure begins to build. Uh, things seem to turn south. That's your inherent resistance to the change that's coming up. You're approaching the, ring, the next ring pass knot. And it's less about the appearances than about what the ring really represents is a state, a stage, a phase, or a level of consciousness, of awareness. It's a waking up. And so we do not want to resist the aspirant, as I will describe you, the disciple, the student, the seeker, is one who needs to anticipate the approach of the ring past that. Recognize it. Understand that this is uh, an opportunity for great change. And some of it will, on the surface, appear to be positive, positive and wonderful and good. And some of it, on the surface, will appear to be bad, tragic and disastrous. But in toto, from the elevated perspective of the higher self, it's all good because we're expanding like the universe itself, like everything that grows, everything that is alive. It's growing, it's healing, it's expanding. So anticipate your resistance to that and let go of it with a breath and a feeling in your body of letting go with a sense of positive anticipation toward this next level that you're about to break through. And yeah, there will be some discomfort, and yeah, there will be some pain, and yeah, even if it's mostly a good thing, it's still going to be stressful and produce anxiety and some fear and dread in your life. You know, Who doesn't know the anxiety of goodness described as... Um, waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> you know, uh, things are going so well, I'm just terrified that it's not going to last. Well, don't be frightened. Uh, accept that it's not going to last, right? Uh, any more than the month of January could last forever. We woke up this morning and, hello, it's February. You say, well, that's just a calendar. Okay, well, the earth is spinning, and it's moving around the sun, and the sun is moving away from all of the other stars and all of those stars and the galaxy. You know, everything's changing and growing. That's a phenomenon we have to deal with. So we can anticipate and account for these jerky changes by looking at the process as essentially a positive one. 
and anything that comes about as a result of this change that has the appearance of negativity or heartache don't simply be the broken heart or the confusing problem. Be the higher level of consciousness now that is emerging as you break out of that ring. Be that higher level of consciousness that can find what is good in this and save that salvation. Save that. What has merit? What you learn that is good and true and beautiful about this change. Even if it appears to be mostly bad or largely good, but there is some bad in it. Uh, look for the good, and then in what's bad, you just let go once you've learned whatever you can learn from the situation. That's how you make something bad into something good. In theosophy, this is called the fourth ray of harmony through conflict. Again, this is Christ changing the water into wine, or the alchemist changing lead into gold. It's, it's making the best of a bad situation. It's um, turning lemons into lemonade, if you will. See, When you understand the process, the never-ending unfoldment of your life as a series of these rings of consciousness that have contained you and limited you, but which you now have to break through, and there's going to be some pain in that birthing process, there's going to be some confusion and some awkwardness, and it won't be easy to sort out what part of this is good from what part of this is bad. That's why we have phrases like, well, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Well, at the end of it all, it was really a good thing. Let me tell you about it. What if you knew that going in? That's my message for you for today. What if you knew going into every change that no matter how much of it appeared to be bad, all of it or a tiny little bit of it, it didn't matter. It was still a good thing. You see, then you become more elegant and more graceful in recognizing change in your life. And when visited by a tragedy, a disaster, or just some depression and sadness in your life. You can breathe and relax and remind yourself, ultimately, this is a good thing. I may not know how or why just yet, but change is life, and life is change. It's called growth. There cannot be life without growth. But that means change whether that has the appearance of being mostly good or mostly bad, it's always a little of both. And having said that overall, it's a good thing. Anticipate it. Look for the blessing in disguise. And when you feel that pressure building in your life, know you're approaching a ring past that. And there is going to be some growing pains involved. Not just the birth, not only is birthing painful, growing as a child is painful. You, know, you ever leap out of bed in the middle of the night with one of those Charlie horses in your leg as a teenager? You know? You're growing so fast the muscles are stretching, and that can hurt. 
that the growth is a good thing. So, that's my little introduction to Ring Pass Knot. You can Google it, as I suggest all of these terms, all of these concepts we talk about every Sunday in the Mystery School. You can check them out by Googling them. I will tell you that most of what you're going to find is going to be a bit abstract. It is esoteric. But let that be a challenge to you. I think all of us have the responsibility and can easily find, if you look, the opportunity to break esoteric stuff, truly mystical and spiritual, metaphysical principles and concepts into ever more accessible verbiage or, or modeling for ourselves and for other people. I certainly accept that challenge. As a broadcaster, somebody who went from talking about the news to talking about philosophy, because I found that's where the action was. To me, that's current events, <laughs> is ageless wisdom. But uh, that's just me. But since you're here and since you're listening and since you're interested in this kind of material, accept that responsibility. Find that opportunity for you to take a concept like the ring pass knot Google it, look at what information there is on the web about the ring pass knot, and make it your own. Um, domesticate it, manage it, break it, <laughs> break it down into little bite-sized pieces that you can make sense out of and uh, use to nourish yourself in your life so that you see it coming a mile away. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could see these rings pass not on the horizon and knowing that they're neither good nor bad, that they're always good and bad, but that overall that's a good thing. And don't resist. Like imagine if the chicken knew what was on the other side of the egg. It probably would start breaking out of its ring even sooner to get into the universe of the nest. You see, and what if the minute it came into the nest, it knew what was beyond the ring pass knot that was the nest, and that it could fly around the whole neighborhood and maybe go a few miles and even. And and what if it knew in advance that later in the autumn it was going to fly south for the winter, and uh, that would be very exciting to anticipate. That's what I'm asking you to do to look ahead in your life, to look that far down the road, not merely at material success and material comfort, relationships, health, and such, but at your spiritual growth to get new eyes, to see an ever bigger picture, to understand more holistically, more completely, the big picture, the gestalt, the whole enchilada. And to be able to comfort people who are frightened, to take their fear away with your expanded point of view, your elevated perspective, those you love and care about, even those you don't like, even your enemy, you could love. That is, you could stop frightening them. You could comfort them, you could console them. 
I'm wondering how long will it be before our idea of defense is to feed and educate the enemy instead of drop bombs on them. Now, when I tell this to people, my students are one thing, but in the general population, if I say to people, well, you know, the best thing we should do in response to the Taliban is feed, give food and books to the people that follow the Taliban. I get laughed at. I get mocked. But that's okay. I keep saying it because I know that loving your enemy is going to win out. Then you don't have an enemy anymore. Somebody doesn't like you and you don't like them. The best thing you can do is care about them, love them. Reread Dale Carnegie, for God's sakes. <laughs> uh, you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff should have to read Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You're nice to them. You care about them. You become interested in them. You want to know why they are frightened of the United States and what could we do to help you be less frightened of us. Then maybe you wouldn't fly airplanes into skyscrapers, right? I always get a kick when I hear Bush or Cheney or somebody talking about terrorism, including the bombing of the USS Cole, which is a warship. So even if they even if they attack a warship, they're called terrorists. It's bizarre. There will come a time when we that's how we fight our battles. Right? We we use bombers to drop food and literature, give them some blue jeans and some DVDs. Uh, and again, if that sounds silly, fine. Just keep breathing, keep dreaming, keep loving, and look to the horizon. Look beyond your current ring past knot, for it is a container in which you live. It's all the consciousness you can handle right now. But life is going to give you more. And it might hurt, and you'll probably resist it, which makes that's where the pain comes from. It's resisting the change that makes it hurt even more. This is Lamaze and Le Boyer in childbirth. Breathe, relax, and push. Right? And there's less pain. I've done hypnoanesthesia in the dentist for 35 years. It's not the drill that causes the pain. It's your resistance to the drill. It's the muscular tension that you gather in your body trying to protect yourself from the pain that causes the pain. And so the secret to pain management at the dentist or any place else is to surrender to it. And then it ceases to exist. The idea that your pain, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, is your resistance to growth is a very esoteric concept. Most people don't get it. And when they do, that'll be a huge ring past that, but there will be more rings, I assure you. Well, let's go to the um, questions here. Well, I don't seem to see any questions. What the heck? Is it me? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, use the uh, <laughs> use that uh, submission box on the page in front of you if you're on the web, and put your name in there and your city and a little comment. We'll go through these, and we'll do an alpha process 
a guided imagery exercise on this concept. And uh, then we'll let you go do your Super Bowl party. First of all, this is in the order they come in. Some people even do this before the event. You know, you, you get these on Friday. You can put a question or a comment even before we begin the event. So this is the order they come in. In Los Angeles, it looks like everybody here has done it during the event, though. Uh, first of all, Jessica in Los Angeles. Jessica Gwynn says, yay, I made it. Hi, Michael, and hello to the web radio family here from Los Angeles. In Pittsburgh, John Bowles says, Aloha, Michael. I talked to John earlier today. Yes, he's in Pittsburgh. Um, he doesn't care about the Super Bowl, even though the Steelers are a hot team. I'm sort of like you, John. I, You know, we were talking this morning, Doreen and I, and we have a house guest, about uh, Sarah Palin and... Uh, her reference, actually, a lot of people believe that God intervenes in high school football, and there will be many people praying today for God to intervene in the Super Bowl, and uh, we're just commenting how bizarre it is that, that you know, God does not intervene in war or starvation, but would take sides in the Super Bowl or a high school hockey game or something sort of bizarre. Anyway. I hope your favorite team wins. Uh, out of Tucson, Lorelai Hatch is with us again today. She says, Aloha, Michael. I, I know what other people think about us is none of our business. I still feel hurt when a coworker or friend talks badly about me behind my back. Well, sure. She says, my friends tell me that I need a tougher skin, but I don't want to lose my sensitive side for fear of becoming jaded. What is the best way to deal with the feeling of being hurt by what other people say and do? Love and peace to you, and Doreen. That's a wonderful question, Lorelei. And talking about being thin-skinned or a tougher skin, you have to be more thick-skinned. A lot of us carry extra weight. Uh, to a, We don't realize we do it, but that's why we carry it, as a kind of a protection around the heart because we're so easily hurt. I could do a whole webinar just on this topic, Lorelei, but uh, let me just quickly say, because we can all relate to this, of course it hurts uh, to find out that somebody's talking about you behind your back in a disparaging or negative way. The best thing that any of us can do about this is to develop our understanding of who we are, to know thyself. To be true, from Hamlet, to thine own self be true. Or as the Greek said, to know thyself. To understand who you are. The more you know about yourself, the less it will matter what other people say about you. I'm going to repeat that. The more you understand yourself, why you think, feel, and act the way you do. Why you think and feel and act the way you do. The more you understand your motives and the identity behind those motives, the less it will matter what other people say or do. Now, you'll still get the hit or the impact. Somebody's gossiping about you, they said a bit. But what you'll be able to do, Lorelei, more quickly is go to compassion for them. You see? 
compassion is not a defense. It's what you do when you refuse to defend yourself because the self you've become needs no defending. As you come to truly understand who you are, you'll realize you don't need defending. You are part of the one life. You are a beautiful, intelligent, uh, sentient, wonderful part, unique and diverse, separated only by appearance, but nevertheless, unique and diverse part of the one life. There's nothing to defend, you see, unless it's a persona, a personality, a role that we're playing, a behavior, a way of being that we identify as the self, but that would be the false self. So the more you understand about the truth of the self, the less there is to defend, the less it matters what other people say, and the sooner you can go to compassion for how pathetic they are, that they can only build themselves up by bringing other people down. Okay. Where is racism the worst among the least sophisticated people, among people who don't know what's wonderful about themselves. So, you know, it's a lot of racism. Where is misogyny most prevalent among men who don't know themselves and their gender and their masculinity? And so to build themselves up in a relative sense, they bring women down. Misogyny. Okay. So compassion is the short answer. You go to compassion. But in order to do that, there's a process of going through several rings past not, of understanding more and more and more and more and more about the truth of who you are. It's 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 less in what you think about yourself and more in what you care about that you'll find your motives and your identity you realize that there's really nothing here that needs defending. And then even though you take the initial hit of gossip, perhaps, okay, or backbiting or whatever, you can take a breath, remind yourself who you are, reorient yourself, let it go without any need for vengeance or retribution, and have compassion for that pathetic person who know so little of themselves that they have to bring you down in the eyes of other people in the hope that somehow that will elevate them in the eyes of these same people. Compassion is the antidote. It's a very high frequency of love. Great question, though. That's a good example of ring pass now. Dr. Kev is with us from Amsterdam. Good evening, Kevin, in Amsterdam. He says, nice that we ended up on uh, opposite sides of the planet. It means that we have, we have them surrounded. <laughs> well, thanks for that. He wants me to plug a site called GnosticMedia.com, managed by Jan Irwin, or Irvin. I don't know if that's a male Jan or a female Jan, but Gnostic, you know, is spelled with a G. Gnosis is the Greek word for knowing. And there's a whole approach to spirituality and mysticism that is Gnostic in nature, having to do with the sense of knowing. So 
so let's plug that. Kevin says we should plug it. Gnostic with a G, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, GnosticMedia.com. I'll check that out later myself. By the way, I uh, signed on to Twitter today, and I'd like you guys to consider the same thing. Um, you know, if you're like over 25 or 30, this is not a natural thing to do. But I'm going to appeal to you to do it anyway, because I want to begin to promote what we're doing here with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I think a lot of people are looking for this. I'm not interested in you recruiting people that have no interest, but to get this to people who would love it as much as you do, uh, and the same thing for our Focused Passion site and the program there, Finding Yourself in Paradise. The best stuff we've ever done together, Steve and I, 30 years of doing human potential work together. And uh, we ask there a donation of as little as 99 cents a week. And in either case, whether you're forward the Mystery School programs or forward the Finding Yourself in Paradise programs, um, they're both available as podcasts as well as streaming audio. And we'd love your help in promoting that. And one way you can do it is to send these programs, use the link on the website, go to theagelesswisdom.com, click on the homepage to go inside, and then web teleconference. And you can take just the right program, this one or some other we did in the past, and send it to somebody you think will really be interested. Same thing at focusedpassion.com. Send the right program to the people, you know, friends and family members who you think really most need to hear this program or maybe that program. And uh, then to post these links on Facebook and MySpace and High Five and Bebo and LinkedIn and <clears throat> whatever social networking site you're on is important. But if you can get with the uh, Twitter thing, too, that will help a lot. That's It's just viral promotion. It spreads like disease spreads, <laughs> only it's a good thing. So uh, my name on Twitter is Focused Passion. So just visit twitter.com and uh, or go to Twitter to sign up twitter.com or twitter.com slash focused passion you'll find me and then click on follow and we'll build a network that way if you're not sure what what it's all about or how to do it uh, ask your teenager find find a teenager or or a child um, they'll teach you what it's all about and how to do it out of Apple Valley, Don is with us again this morning, and uh, being in Southern California, he says, hola, from the Mojave Desert. Hello, Don. In Irvine, Robert, Robert Fiegel, aloha, Michael, great class as always. I find I'm always turning down business and social opportunity, even though I'm ready for change, and not really satisfied, and, and, and where I'm at anymore, but I love... Let's see. No, that's over. I overanalyze. I overanalyze it until I taught myself how to taking the chance. So how do you motivate yourself to take more risk? Hope I'm making sense. It's been a long weekend with a little sleep. Thanks, Michael. Have a great week. Yeah, uh, you've got the answer in here. In your question, there's the answer. It's uh, I overanalyze. That is a mental thing. Analysis is a mental endeavor. And motivation is largely emotional. Bingo. You nailed it. You didn't even know it. You were so close. Right on the edge of your ring pass knot. <laughs> 
So breaking through that ring pass knot, this particular one, is giving the brain, the mind, a rest. Because that's its job, is to analyze, to be rational and deductive. And deductive logic is general to specific. It always takes things apart and breaks things down into tiny little pieces. All right. Good for one kind of understanding. But motivation is emotional in nature. It's heart-based. And so when you've analyzed it adequately and before you overanalyze it, to use your words, let it go, turn to the heart. How do you do that? Meditation, contemplation. We're about to do it. Guided imagery? Okay. Close your eyes, breathe, relax. And with practice, the mind gets more and more quiet. And the emotional turmoil becomes more and more calm. And what you're able to do then is become enthusiastic and excited and passionate about the change. You can begin to visualize the change. You can taste it. See? And the mind will, especially for a beginning meditator, jump in every once in a while and go, wait a minute, Robert, hold on, what are you doing here? I think we should analyze this some more. All right, I just knocked my mouse on the floor. Hold on here. I think I should analyze this some more. I think we should be more careful. And you're beginning to realize that's where and when and how you get stuck. You get stuck just short of breaking through the ring past knot because the brain the mind, better said, wants to analyze it. Its job is basically to protect you from danger in that in, in that regard. So, yeah, the way to stop overanalyzing is move into the heart, and the way to do that is in a meditative or contemplative place. Thanks for that. In uh, also in Irvine, probably just down the street from Robert Fiegel is another Robert. And uh, he says, brilliant, thank you for the wisdom. I can even see how the ring pass knot applies to positive thinking, that no matter what the adversity, there is always a silver lining. Yes, yes, yes. When one door closes, another one opens. Even in the movie Jurassic Park, it was said, life finds a way. That's it. That's exactly right. It will not be deterred for long. Namaste in 73, Robert. And out of Pasadena, Tom is with us again. He says, thanks for another great show. Have a terrific Sunday. And, Tom, I hope you do, too. And uh, Mission Hills, Greg is with us today. Greg, I was just thinking about you and Julie. And give my love to Julie. Hope she's doing well. Greg says, hello to everybody. I had a breakthrough recently in that I realized that I had a lot of anger. Didn't think I was an angry person, but I realized that I was often angry in a different uh, or in different situations. And when I finally went in to really feel out the anger in those different situations, underneath it all, oh, I see, was the hurt. Underneath was all of the hurt. Yeah, that's a very good principle, just to say anger is hurt unexpressed. And that's always true. And that's how you manage anger, is to find the hurt and deal with the hurt. Greg goes on, he says, uh, I avoided feeling that hurt, and when I finally spent the time going in and feeling it, it dissolved, it left. 
I felt a great deal lighter since, and I'm amazed and grateful. Take care. Yep, that's it, buddy. Face it. Face the fear. Face the anger. Face the hurt. Understand it. Take ownership of it, and it all fades away. And Aaron is with us in La Cunada today. Hi, Aaron. He's a musician and says, as a musician, I love the concept of openness and how confidence can win over self-consciousness. Thanks for the support and the wisdom. Thanks, Aaron. Nice to have you with us today. And everybody else, we hit refresh, make sure <coughs> I've acknowledged everybody. And we have, uh, I like to finish these within 90 minutes. So let's do a quick alpha process, and I'll let you go here. So if you're in a place where you can get comfortable and close your eyes right now, do that. If you're listening on the telephone and driving in a car, don't do that. Otherwise, (laughs) close your eyes. Talk about a ring pass nut. Close your eyes. Take a breath. Let go. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, create and sense a letting go feeling as if you're very safe. And even if in your whole life you've never really ever felt safe, then pretend, make it up. If I knew how it felt to be safe and relaxed, it might feel something like this. And allow yourself to feel safe and relaxed. You may wish to imagine yourself in a beautiful place. place you visited, a place from your imagination, maybe a combination of the two. Cobble it together. Green trees, grasses, flowers, sunny meadows, magical, forested, enchanted places, little clear mountain streams spilling down the hillside. Allowing my voice to go with you, listen for birds singing, and the feeling that, well, the feeling that you're making all of this up is exactly right. Make it up. Pretend. Before you tend to do anything, you have to pretend. Dream that you are safe and in a beautiful, peaceful, and natural place, sitting upon the earth or a, or a log or a big rock, plugged into the world, rooted in the ground of all things. And as a being, a living organism that is rooted into the earth, you are going to grow. But that growth is not even. There will be periods where you grow much faster than at other times. And some of that growth will immediately be a wonderful experience and only later do you see any negative consequences at all. And some of that growth is going to be frightening. The appearance of it, very negative, very scary. Know also that some good will have to come from that. And then account for your resistance 
because we're even afraid of good things happening. As I said, all change, good or bad, even if you knew, would be a little scary. And let go of the resistance. <clears throat> to have some faith in life. If that means faith in God, fine. If that means faith in the absolute order of things, whatever works for you. If you want to call it nature or law, fine. Have some faith that things are not random, that everything happens for a reason, and that it's all growthful and it's all good and let go. As if, as if you're at the top of a long slide, like a little kid, the big slide. You finally climbed up to the top of the big slide. Here we go, right through the middle and right into the change, knowing that whether the appearance is positive or negative, the outcome is good. And when it hurts, you can move into that, through that, and out the other side. Because a mind and a heart, once expanded by new ideas, and even by heartache itself, tragedy and disaster, never returns to its original shape. Be growth. You are a human being, becoming better and better every day in every way. I am growth, I am change, moving ever more elegantly through the rings, past not, letting go of your resistance, anticipating and accounting in advance for the change in your life. Take a slow, deep breath now, and as you exhale, bring this effortless feeling of ease and grace and elegance with you back into the room, eyes open, wide awake, feeling fine, rested and refreshed, and really enjoying the whole process. One that you can repeat. You know, I'm a big fan of 10, 15, 20-minute meditations. Some people I know meditate a lot longer than that, but never overlook the two-minute, the three-minute exercise. It matters. It counts. And you get better and better and better at moving into these states of letting go. I enjoyed today. hope you did. Happy February. Again, I don't think the divine is going to intercede. I think it's already fully involved and doesn't really intervene in the Super Bowl. I think it's already in everyone and everything. And yet, I hope you have a wonderful day, whether you're into the game or not. And uh, join us next week. Visit Focus Passion, the button's on the web in front of you. Help us change the world. That begins with you sharing these programs with people that you love and care about. Share what you care about. And aloha from Maui. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Aloha. <laughs>